Welcome to the New Faces of Democracy podcast, the show featuring ordinary people doing extraordinary things to stand up for our democracy. I'm your host, Nancy Bynum. This podcast celebrates people who have transformed their lives since 2016 and are transforming our political landscape by organizing, running for office, and generally stepping outside of their comfort zones. I hope their stories will inspire you to take action on your own. Head on over to newfacesofdemocracy.org for easy links to subscribe, follow on social media, and to get more inspiration. Today, I'm speaking with Janelle Christensen and Margie Stein of 140 Florida Blue Project. Janelle is a professor and head of the Florida Democratic Environmental Caucus. Margie is a political activist who's found her niche in fundraising for Florida state races. Together, this dynamic duo are spearheading an effort to turn Florida blue by taking a page out of the Virginia playbook that helped flip that state in 2019. Under their program, they have recruited and funded Democratic candidates to run in all 33 of Florida's state legislature races in which the Republican candidate had previously been running unopposed. We talk about why it matters to chip away at the margins in red districts, building Democratic infrastructure and momentum for future election cycles, and the path to winning Florida's 29 electoral votes for Biden. This is grassroots activism at its grassiest and arguably the most important swing state in the country, and you will be amazed at what these two have pulled off in a few short months. So here's my interview with Janelle Christensen and Margie Stein. Janelle Christensen and Margie Stein, welcome to New Faces of Democracy. Thank you so much. I'd like to start by hearing a little bit about your backgrounds and what brought you to where you are today. And let's start with you, Janelle. What led you to get involved in Florida politics? I moved to Fort Myers recently. And when Parkland shooting happened, it really got my attention. I wanted to know how my local state representative voted on the issues. And after seeing these kids go up to Tallahassee, saw them crying because the state legislature had failed them again. And I wanted to know how did my local rep vote? And so I looked her up. I saw how she voted and she also voted to fail these students. And I said, is somebody running against her? And I went and looked it up. And as it turned out, there was, thank goodness. And I wrote that person, Dr. Parisa Mateb, and said, how can I get involved? Can I help volunteer for your campaign? Within a couple of weeks, I was managing her campaign as a volunteer. And then the 2018 election was pretty rough in Florida. It was a blue wave in most places, but not here. Most of our elections went into recounts. I think most of us were pretty burnt out and exhausted after that. But somebody who had been really helpful during the campaign, Dr. John Capice, did approach me and he asked me if I would help set up a local chapter for the Democratic Environmental Caucus. And because he had been one of the people who was most supportive during the campaign and taught us a lot of the root causes of the harmful algal blooms that were happening here, all the health issues, I said, absolutely, John, for you, I'll do it. I really just want to climb under my bed and hide, but I will get out and stay involved because if you can do it, I can do it. And so I did. Like three months later, I was elected president of the statewide organization. So it's just been a very weird, surreal experience, but here I am. And I met Margie when we were out protesting. Outside of jail. Yeah, outside of a jail where they had been arresting people on immigration issues. We wanted to bring attention to the fact that there was actually a detention center here in our area because people didn't know about it. 
So I met Margie there and then we just started to saw each other in multiple protests and then one thing led to another. Here we are. That's really cool. And Margie, what about you? What got you into political activism? Well, I guess I'm a clinical social worker by training. So I'm certainly always focused on the society that we live in and how good or bad it is. I've lived in Florida for 20 years. My kids were half raised up north and half raised in Florida. And I just dealt with Florida politics. I moved here in 99 until Trump got elected. And that was like, I had to draw a line in the sand. I've had enough of Republicanism, for lack of a better word. That was like the straw that broke the camel's back. So I started working on a lot of things, one of which is to go out and demonstrate, which I think has its role. And that's where I met Janelle. I know you do more than protest. I know you started a Future Now Giving Circle, and I've profiled Melissa Walker on New Faces of Democracy. When did you start that? Well, I started that in the spring of 19 after working with Janelle's candidate and several other candidates in Southwest Florida. They were for mostly state house and Senate seats. Everyone lost. A lot of these seats had never been contested before. And we just worked and worked and worked with really no idea about how much success we would have. And when we lost everything, Everybody was really distraught and I don't tend to get distraught. I just tend to try and figure out how to solve. So I went to the New York Times and looked at the map of Florida and looked at the state house seats. And I saw there were so many seats that were close. Long story short, I got to Future Now through my son, who's friends with Adam Pritzker, who's one of the founders of Future Now. And they were doing exactly what we wanted to do was help races in places in Florida where we could actually win because we can't actually win here. So that's why we started our giving circle. It's called Rising Tide and we've raised almost $55,000. It's just a, it's a strategy, just like the strategy that I'm working with Janelle on also. Right. So let's go to that. 140 Florida Blue Project. That's your project. And both of you think that this could be part of the solution for Florida. Janelle, why don't you tell me about that? What it is, when you started it, and why is it the solution? I've been president of the Democratic Environmental Caucus for a year now. And I got a call in late March from Dr. Fergie Reed, who's based out of California. He runs 90for90.org. So it's also a support system for, for candidates. And he called and said, we need to be running people in every seat. And I said, well, I don't know. I've heard a lot of arguments against that. You know, are there resources? And he he's like, no, here, let me explain why. And he said that, and it made sense to me, that we needed to run people in every seat so that there was someone to challenge the Republican narrative and to force them to pay attention to their own campaign in their own backyard instead of spreading their money in bludgeoning people in more flippable races. And after a few conversations, it made sense to me. So I said, okay, well, I have this caucus. Let me see if I can find 10 people. Now, mind you, when he called me, there were 33 vacant seats. By vacant, I mean had an unchallenged Republican in it. We have out of 140, so about 25% were not being challenged by a Democrat at that time. 
So I thought, well, I can help make a dent in it. But by the time of filing, we had recruited all seats and Margie helped me raise all the filing fees for these folks. And Margie stepped in. Margie used her the skills she had sharpened when doing Future Now. And we started allocating these funds to making sure these candidates could get on the ballot. You have all 33 races now have a Democratic challenger? They do. We do have a little bit of a glitch in one where they refused her paperwork. And actually, Margie and I have to get on making sure that we're filing the paperwork today. We're suing. When did you come up with this idea? I mean, when did you start actually doing this? So late March, beginning of April is when I started calling people within the caucus and saying, hey, if we could raise the filing fees, the 1800 would you be interested in running? And there were a couple of people who said, yeah, I mean, if you could help us get over that huge barrier, you know, I don't want to invest my own money or lose my house for a campaign. But if you could help us with that, then yes, I will. I'll do it. I'll take one for the team. That's great. And that's when I reached out to Margie because I knew that she had been making connections and had been learning how, you know, she had already been doing this fundraising and she was convinced. I knew we could do it. Well, I wasn't convinced because Janelle told me, she said, oh, I got about six or 10 seats, I think. I said, well, that's not that much money. I mean, we can just dial around and get it. And the truth is, we got $50 here. We got $100 here. We got 200 We got a few people that gave us, you know, $1,000 bills. Some of the people were able to pay their own way. I would just like be out and I'd get a text. I got another 50 Where should I put it? And Janelle had a scoreboard on her, an Excel spreadsheet in Google Docs. And it was up 24-7 because we were just putting the money in the bucket and taking the person off the list and go to the next person. And honestly, I don't even know where all the money came from. I mean, I just started calling people in there and said, just call people you know, and just call me back and text me back and get a little and get 25. And so in the beginning, I only thought it was going to be six or 10 people. In fact, when she called me and then she said, oh, I, I think I'm going to get more. And then I'm going to get more. And then she had Fergie Reed call me. And then Fergie Reed's dad called me, who's 95 years old, to thank me for getting involved. It's kind of exciting. But yeah, Dr. Reed is really an amazing networker. Like I've been involved in the party, but I hadn't been networked in the way that he was able to do. Somehow he was able to get everybody's phone number, knew who everybody was, and had he had called everyone. Anytime I was hitting a wall with trying to find a candidate, he somehow was able to find someone willing to help. And it, I mean, it, sometimes it took a couple of weeks, but he was brilliant. And he was like, here's who you need to talk to. Here's who you need to talk to. I think I got a person to run here. So it wasn't just me making the calls. He really, even though he was out in California, he managed to tap into this network. So wait, let's talk about him for a second and his strategy and how that played out in Virginia. That's right. And why he thinks Florida is a prime place for this to work as well. So he did start this back, I think, in 2015 is, you know, I guess his dad's 90th birthday. And he started trying to recruit candidates. And the first round they did, they didn't recruit the full slate. And then the second in Virginia, Virginia, right. And then they tried it again and they got more and each round. And then they flipped it the third time. 
And even then they didn't have a full slate of candidates, but they got closer and it was building infrastructure. It was building momentum for the democratic base and it did flip the state legislature. And then he said, well, you know, he tried to help us in 2018 and didn't quite get anywhere. Couldn't find the partners he needed in. He couldn't find you because you didn't exist. <laughs> I didn't exist yet. I was just a lowly campaign manager. <laughs> he told um, me he tried in 16, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's been trying for three cycles. And just for whatever reason, I decided to listen to him and, you know, help get a few more candidates. And it ended up being a thing. And we got it. He had done this successfully elsewhere. Now, tell me about these candidates you recruited. Who are they? I'm assuming they're first-time candidates. We have a full spectrum. The first people that I reached out to were people within the Democratic Environmental Caucus because these are folks that I already have established relationships with. So when I made this call and I said, if you've ever thought about running for office, think about it now. You know, even if you are working full-time, Now's the time to do it because you can't be knocking on doors for hours at a time. It all has to be from home. And even if you have kids, it might be more doable. Like if you want to try it out, now's the time. And we're going to try to reduce the risks as much as possible by helping to raise filing fees. So we tried to do that. I got some young recent college grads who I knew had been involved in the environmental movement. I got some people who'd run for office a few years ago and had thought about doing it again, but kept talking themselves out of it. So we removed all those barriers that for those folks. So we got about, you know, 10 from the environmental caucus fairly quickly. Others we had to talk into, and then we tapped into a veteran network. So there's a lot of veterans running, a lot of veteran women running, especially up in the panhandle. That's great. How many people we have under 30? There's 11 of them. That's great. Yeah. I think that there's 11 fairly young people under 30 that are venturing out. And it's very exciting. And they were people who really thought, I'm not experienced enough. And what we had to do is try to get past the idea of the perfect candidate. Because I think that this was why there were so many vacancies. Even the Democratic executive committees like, that are in charge of the counties, they usually recruit candidates. And they're supposed to vet. And there's the idea that it has to be a certain kind of person. And that's true. Those certain kind of person fits the mold and is, you know, maybe appeals. But once we got people to think differently and be like, okay, look, if we can't find the perfect person, let's think about what might also be effective for getting the word out. If we know that the the numbers are not good, if they can inspire more people to come out and vote for Biden, if they're voting for them, then we may be able to win these 29 electoral college votes for, for Florida. And ultimately, that's what needs to happen. So this is a multifaceted thing. And the ultimate goal is not just to help flip the state legislature and the state Senate and state house, but really to win this for Biden. So basically, these districts that your candidates are running in, I'm assuming, are very red. Most of them. There are some very flippable. Oh, okay. There are some very flippable ones. That's great. Well, let's talk about the numbers in the state legislature. How many seats do you need to get to ultimately flip it? We need 14 seats to flip from red to blue to flip the state house. But if we flip five, then we start getting in control of more of the committees and getting more Democrats on committees in that. Because they have a supermajority now? Is that why? We did actually break the supermajority in 2018. We flipped, I think we gained... Seven, I think. Six, Six seven. seven, yeah. Okay, so you already have some momentum. Okay, so that's 14 for the House. And then for the Senate? 
for it to, to really have that 50, you know, to get to 21, 21, 19. Yeah. So you feel like some of your seats actually are winnable, some of your races. Right. Most of the flippable seats were snapped up early on because they were seen as, you know, an easy get. And then there were multiple Democrats running in it anyway. What's your goal in the races where you really don't have much of a shot, but tell me what you hope to achieve? Yes. So I could tell you, use our county, Lee County, as an example. So we have, it's a very deep red area here. Lee County was one of the most difficult places to recruit. And none of the people who ran before wanted to run again. They were so burnt out. I did get involved with some young activists that I knew who had been involved in the Sunrise Movement and Next Gen. And I managed to recruit them to run. And that was a big get because they already have a background in community organizing. And they are interested in promoting the environmental narrative and make sure that people are getting out the vote for Biden. What do you hope to get from seats where you probably, races where you probably won't win? What do you hope to get in these districts? Three things. We want to make sure that the Republicans are spending their money here and not elsewhere in Florida. We want to make sure that the Republicans are held accountable for their past actions and votes so that they're not having a waltz into office and setting the narrative because they like to co-op the environmental narrative, even if they have a terrible environmental record. So our job is to make sure there's somebody there to set the record straight or at least counter them on that narrative. So those two things are the local benefits. Larger benefits are, well, if they're spending money here, they're not transferring all that PAC funds to other seats where there are very competitive people running. And then I guess really the fourth thing then is making sure that we're getting out the vote, that we're inspiring Democrats and making sure that we have local organizers getting Democrats out to vote and make sure that they turn in their ballots and that they are voting for Biden. So we're cutting margins across the state of Florida. So if you remember, you may not remember, a lot of people may not remember that Florida had all of our three state-wide elections, our governor, our agricultural commissioner, and our senator all went into recounts. And we lost- Well, Gillum was the governor. So he, Gillum and DeSantis went into a recount and DeSantis won by not very much. Scott and Nelson went into a recount. Nelson lost by not very much. And then Caldwell and Nikki Freed went into a recount and Nikki Freed won by not very much. So she's our, now our highest ranking Democrat. But if she hadn't been campaigning, even in red areas, then she wouldn't have got those margins. So there were people who voted for her who didn't vote for Gillum or for Nelson is basically what happened. And so we also had several of our state house districts go into recounts. We had like three or four that went into recounts in the state legislature. So, so many of our close, close races, it matters. And when it comes to this 29 electoral college votes, we need to make sure that we are getting out every single vote because it could come down to one or two. We've seen it before. It will happen again. Republicans are trying to keep people from being able to vote in every way possible. We overwhelmingly voted to have people who are gotten out of prison be able to vote again. And they're trying to stop that from happening. They're trying to block vote by mail, even though historically Republicans have been overwhelmingly voting by mail here. So it's just very, very strange. And 
for that reason, we need these people everywhere to make sure that there's someone to vote for. There's someone countering the narrative, holding these Republicans accountable. Even if they win, they're not going to go unscathed. So you're running these races to, in some cases, to build up the Democratic infrastructure in these districts that have been forsaken by, it sounds like, the mainstream Democratic Party. Does that sound right? Yeah. And not just the mainstream Democratic Party. I would say that it's all of these organizations, because even Future Now isn't paying attention to these areas. Florida Alliance, which is supposed to be kind of counter to the Democratic Party, they only care about the flippable races. So there's this horse race mentality that it's not just the party. This is it permeates the whole, like Margie says, she likes to think about the system and it permeates the system. The system is built on horse races, not a team sport. When in fact, it's a team sport. And that's why we've lost for 25 years. You know, like we're letting all of these players make all these goals on the other team because we're not running anyone against them. There's no one to counterpoint them. Right, right. Can't win a soccer game that way. So you talked about getting out the vote. What about registering new voters? Absolutely. They're registering new voters. I think some of these younger folks especially are probably going to be appealing to young NPAs and people who are grossed out by party politics. And it is. What's NPA? Oh, in Florida, there's a huge. So we have a closed primary state. That means you only Democrats can vote for in Democratic primaries and only Republicans. Well, a large chunk of our population are registered no party affiliation, which means they don't vote in primaries, but they do vote in the general election. So it creates this very weird dynamic where with the two-party system, you're not really reflecting the voting population at all. You're hoping that Trump, Biden at the top of the ticket will bring out people for your lower ballot races. And you're also hoping that your lower ballot races build up this infrastructure and get more Democrats out and activated and energized. That's right. Yeah. If Parisma hadn't been running, you know, if in this deep red area in 2018, I wouldn't be here. It matters that she ran. And it, in fact, it, it really matters. I wouldn't have met Margie. I wouldn't have met any of these folks, I wouldn't have been recruited elsewhere. It mattered because she stood up to run against this person in this tough district. Right. This is kind of the long game. At least it was in Virginia. It sounds like it took several cycles and it was actually successful or contributed to the success of Virginia. What do you think realistically for Florida? It's hard to say, I know, but what's your hope? My hope is that we win the 29 electoral college votes so that we can deny Trump Florida. That's the ultimate and the biggest and most important thing. Yeah. Well, on a state level, too, that's, I mean, I imagine flipping your state would be huge. You have a trifecta, right? A Republican trifecta there. So that's that would be wonderful. And, you know, we can make a difference. If we can flip the state, then we may flip those three Senate seats. But we need to make sure that we're giving them the support they need. That's something else we're working on. They need at least the access to data so that they can be successful. You know, there was this big blue wave, but the blue wave did not come to Florida. So there's a lot of people that feel like now is Florida's time, which I know that the Republicans are probably really concerned about that because we, we really didn't get the wave. And I'm going to be so interested in the outcome because the impact between there are multitude of things, not only is what Future Now and Sister Districts and all these other groups that are working to target the winnable races. 
And then you also have this blue wave coalition who are our friends, women friends that are just pushing vote by mail. And that they've been doing this for two years in like 14 counties in Florida. So there's so many different things that are going on at the same time. You know, maybe it'll be the perfect storm. You never yeah. know. Yeah. How much money do you guys still need to raise? I mean, what else needs to, I assume that these candidates need some money to run campaigns or something resembling a campaign. We need about $40,000 more soon so that we can make sure they have the data. And we're setting up a pack to be able to do that. But they need more than that. I mean, Janelle's talking about the data because we need van where the candidates, unfortunately, have to pay pretty much full freight for the van. That's a voter access network. That's a network. It's really built by volunteers that we, you know, are that put data in, but it's a party tool and the party has always required and does require you to pay for it. So that's, we first have to get, but I think, you know, I like to see us raise a few hundred thousand dollars because people need yard signs. People want to do Facebook advertising. People, they just want to do enough to make themselves notice to get out the vote. So if somebody wanted to get involved with your project or support it, how do they do that? Well, we're starting a pack right now. I'm focusing on raising the money for the state Senate candidates because the data access costs more for them than for the state house. So I've created an Act Blue account and I can share that with you if you wanted to post it. Yeah, I will put it in the notes. And small dollar amounts matter. As Everything helps. Much as big ones. Yep. Yeah. Maybe not as much, but that's still important. <laughs> it, I mean, at this point, if we wanted to do it quickly, the big amounts help if one can, you know. There were some wonderful people, even some in the Democratic Party leadership who believed in this, like Mike Coleman. He's the vice chair of the Palm Beach County DEC, and he donated several thousand of his own dollars individually to these candidates. You guys, this is really Amazing. I mean, that you've pulled this off. You started at the end of March. It's July that you've made all this happen. I think it really just shows the power of just initiative and getting things done and talking to people and making it happen. It doesn't, it's not the hardest thing in the world. It just takes hard work. It does. Anyhow, I think it's great. I'm really excited to have spoken to you today. I really appreciate both of you being on it. So Janelle Christensen, Margie Stein, thank you so much for joining me. I am hope to come back with some great results. Yes, and I'm definitely following those Florida returns even more closely than normal. So yeah, (laughs) thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. New Faces of Democracy is created and produced by me, Nancy Bynum. And in addition to being the host, I'm also the CEO, the CFO, and the administrative assistant. If you enjoyed this episode, please help New Faces of Democracy grow by subscribing on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out my other profiles at newfacesofdemocracy.org and follow New Faces of Democracy on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook.